Joining me on the Friday Film Club this week is Rosie Kamish, who's an author. Her debut novel, Man vs. Machine, is available to buy right now. Um, so go on Amazon or wherever you buy your books and do that. And uh, Rosie and I actually met at university over 10 years ago now. So it was uh, awesome to get her on the show and really great to catch up. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Rosie Kamish, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, a bit warm, but um, apart from that, yeah, <laughs> doing good. Oh, it's scorching, isn't it? Oh, it's madness, isn't it? I've had to turn my fan off as well because of the uh, <laughs> um, noise interruption. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's pretty warm here in Smith Scarborough today. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, that's all right, yeah. It's nice to be here. Uh, we, we've got a lot to talk about because uh, you've just published your first... Is it a novel? I don't know what the difference is between a book and a novel and a novella and all that. Yeah, but I think a book's sort of anything within two pieces of cardboard. Um, <laughs> yeah, a novel, a novella, I think, is about 30,000 words. I think anything over about 50,000 words, a novel. I'm never quite sure what the distinction is between the various ones, but it, it, is a no, it is a novel. It does come under that classification. And, yeah, it was released on May Day this year. It's pretty exciting. It's called, uh, is it Man vs. Machine? It's called, right? It is, yeah, Man vs. Machine. And well-timed with this because it's set at the Olympics. And, obviously, um, the Olympics have kicked off this week. So, um... <laughs> I guess uh, we, we can chat more through the show about, about the book, um, which, by the way, uh, my wife has uh, basically stolen from me, so <laughs> I haven't had a chance to finish it. But I'm very much enjoying it. But uh, how, 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 how do you start writing a book? Well, I suppose, well, the, I got the idea, obviously, to start with. The idea came about, I, was, I heard about Formula E, which sounds a bit of a random starting point, but, and obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, Formula E is like Formula One, but with electric cars. And for some reason, when I heard this, I had a complete mental blank and forgot that electric cars were a pretty normal thing, just <laughs> roaming around the roads around us. And I imagined a giant game of scale electrics was happening. And then I sort of went off on a tangent from this and thought, well, if robot cars can go around a track, why can't robots go around a track? And then I sort of thought about robots in the Olympics. And yeah, things sort of escalated from there. And... <laughs> doing my brain yeah originally I just I just thought I'd write a little short story I'd never really written much creative I'd done bits of sort of articles and obviously writing at university and things but I'd never really done much creative writing so I thought I'll just do a short story it's a good way to sort of get into it and yeah I finished and um, I had a novel so <laughs> I didn't really plan it um, as such but it just it just was a happy accident I suppose I was going to ask actually how how much of a a kind of painful experience it is to actually write a book but it sounds like it pretty much just happened by accident yeah it did yeah I just sort of um I kept writing because I only work in the morning so I normally come home and do a bit of writing and things in the afternoon so each day I just do a little bit of writing and it just it just sort of built up there was no sort of pressure on myself because I didn't even really know 100% what I was doing <laughs> um and I just sort of gave myself the year to write a little short story and well, it got to December and I had, within about, with about two weeks to spare, I had actually just wrote this full novel. Um, I didn't even write a storyboard. I'm not really a storyboard person, which I'm sure people would frown upon terribly. But yeah, it, I've tried in the past to write little bits of storyboards and things don't always go to plan and I, I end up going um, <laughs> off the path anyway. So um, <laughs> I, I normally know where I'm starting and where I'm finishing, but in between it, anything could happen. <laughs> 
But I guess, you know, you got there, it's published now and uh, that must have been a huge like weight off your mind. Yeah, it was lovely, yeah. It was so exciting. I remember I actually found out and started jumping about in the street, um, which was... <laughs> <laughs> probably a strange sight for anyone stood nearby but yeah it was just it was just so exciting because you write things and you've no idea how, how it, anyone's going to receive it obviously you think it's good you wouldn't you wouldn't write it otherwise but actually sort of waiting to see what other people think is is quite scary so to actually have a publisher pick it up and say you know we, we really like this we want to run with it it was it was just like it was so nice and yeah mm. such a compliment but yeah unfortunately well i'm saying unfortunately it's got published but because of covid um it has taken nearly two years to publish it um <laughs> We were, we were due to publish and then COVID happens and happened and um, the publishing company is actually run by two people who used to be nurses and they ended up coming back obviously awesome people coming to help out the NHS they came back on as nurses and all the publishing stuff got completely shut down for nearly a year so um, obviously I can completely understand it and it's just a great thing of them to do but it didn't really help <laughs> um, but yeah we, we got there in the end I suppose it just just shows that things don't always run smoothly but you get there in the end <laughs> exactly yeah um, but we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that um, through the through the show but uh, I think yeah. we need to crack on with these questions because it's all about finding out what films uh, have inspired you, uh, have influenced you, and have, I guess, impacted you in any kind of way, good or bad. So let's jump in. Let's let's go in hard. What is your favourite film of all time? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't start easy there, did you? Um, this, <laughs> this took a bit of um, thinking, because I normally have several favourite films, and it changes weekly. And then there's more like, if I'm feeling a bit sad, this, this is probably my go-to film, or if I'm feeling really happy, or do you know what I mean? So anyway... I've come up with Back to the Future. I made myself think if I could just watch one film, like, this sounds a bit drastic, but if I was going to die tomorrow, um, hopefully that won't happen. And I was told, you can watch one film tonight and that's it. I would choose Back to the Future. So that was kind of my my thinking behind that one. It's It's just got everything. It's just, it's got time travel and science fiction. It's got a flying cat, which sort of flies, doesn't it? It's got a bit of romance in there. It's got, it's just... What's not to like? It's yes, great, it? it's a great choice. Uh, I've got to say, a, a safe choice. I think yeah. Back to the Future is a lot of people's favourite films, yeah. but a great choice. Th- th- there's a reason why everyone loves Back to the Future. Exactly. Yeah, that that is it. Yeah. To, to me, it's always the score. It's it's and I'm I'm always surprised that it's not John Williams that does that score, um, because it's a very John Williams kind of kind of sound. Yeah, they've, they've, they've certainly yeah they've done a good job actually yeah the um the song the power of love actually it's the power of love isn't it yes I yes on the radio the other day and I, I was just yeah just buzzing <laughs> after I listened to it because it, it kind of transports you and it's a good soundtrack you hear it and you, you feel like you're in the film um, yes I suppose is yeah a good good sign of uh, of a good soundtrack but, uh, every every generation uh, is gonna watch Back to the Future at some point in like a, a, a indie cinema or like a drive-in or something. And Huey Lewis and the news are going to get a bump up in sales when everyone starts like listening exactly, to their catalog. Yeah. Love yeah, Huey Lewis. Look at the cinema listings; they'll just know when suddenly <laughs> all the money comes flooding back into town. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Back to the Future. Love that film. Oh, what are your thoughts on the sequels? I love the second one. I'm told apparently that a lot of people like the third and don't like the second, but I can't stand the third one. I'm not a big fan of westerns. So that probably didn't help. Obviously, it's set in the Wild West. I mean. It's probably not the worst film, but yeah, I've watched it once. I I wouldn't go back. But yeah, the second one, I think is, I think it's on a par with the first. I really like it. I am a bit upset that obviously we haven't got hoverboards (laughs) as 
as they predicted but i can't really uh, fault them for that but yeah um yeah i re- oh, yeah the second one i think is just just so good it, yeah i think yeah I, I think it stands up to the first i think it's it's one of yeah the, the second one is definitely on par as far as sequels go yeah i i love back to the future i gotta say that's that's a great choice yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you entirely on that one oh, although God, not I'm my not favorite film it's up there <laughs> yeah exactly yeah this this one might be controversial what is your least favorite film yeah i don't think people are gonna like this i i looked recently and i think empire voted this is the best film of the last 20 years um i'm not sure who was voting but um i, I don't think that we're friends me and these people uh mad max fury road um, <laughs> Which I think is one of the boringest things I've ever had to sit through. I just think it's just like the most boring car journey ever. Just the whole way through it, I just saw like a small little child in the back of the car wanted to scream, are we there yet? Because I just wanted it to be over. Controversial opinion, definitely. It, it, it is. On, I would just say, in in its defence, which I'm not, there's not much to say in its defence, I don't think... <laughs> But <laughs> I think technically it's it's a good film. I've seen some of the behind the scene things, all the cars and things moving along in the desert and everything. Not a lot of it was CGI. A lot of it actually did happen. And I think it is quite impressive how they did all that. So yeah, there was some people there who uh, were very good at what they were doing. But yeah, there's there's not much else I can say that, that was in its defense really. I just, so I, I wasn't I'm, happy with it. <laughs> I'm, do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of agree with you here. And I've, before I explain why, I've got a follow-up question. Yeah. When did you first watch Mad Max Fury Road? About four years ago, I think. And did you watch it in the cinema or did you watch it at home? I watched it at home. See, that's, that's what I was thinking. So, so I watched it for the first time at home as well. I also just didn't get it. I just didn't connect with the film. I'm wondering if it's just one of those that any critic or, or, or journalist or I guess a majority of people would have gone to the cinema and seen it on the big screen and I can imagine with the effects and with the way it was all shot like blowing people away on a huge yeah, cinema screen yeah on a bigger screen it might, it might have had a bigger impact yeah mm. I, can, I can see that so do you know what I, I think you're not going to get much judgment from me on that because <laughs> I'm, I'm with you I didn't I, there's something about it I, I would never ever say it was one of the best films of all time Oh, that's good. I'm not going to get kicked out of the coffee shop then. <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. Um, There's still but, time. Yeah, exactly. On that note, have you had any bad reviews yet on your book? Thankfully, no, I've not. No. Um, obviously, the first few people to read it were family and friends, so they weren't really going to say anything bad. So that was that was helpful in some respects, but you kind of <laughs> weren't going to say anything bad. And no, I've had a couple of good reviews um, offline and things, but I've not heard anything bad so far. Obviously, prior to getting my publisher, I was turned down by a lot of publishers, but mm. I never really got any feedback. It was always just a lovely diplomatic email along the lines of, this isn't really for us, but obviously artistic things are very subjective, um, which is <laughs> sort of helpful in some respects, but doesn't really give you a lot to work on. But no, so far, I've not had any bad reviews, but um, there's always time, isn't there? There's always someone. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, anything, like, yeah, like it's, been, it's, it's, it's a matter of time. Like, eventually, it's going to get in the hands of someone who just doesn't like it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> just <waiting for> them. <laughs> how long were you actually trying to get it published for? Like, how many publishers did you approach? I lost track of how many <laughs> I approached. It was just, I was just Googling publishers and just firing emails off to anyone who would listen and even people who probably weren't listening. Um, it <laughs> took me um, about six months to get a publisher. 
So yeah, it is it is a lengthy process. If anyone's trying to get anything published, just just do stick with it. it it isn't like an overnight thing. I know people sometimes say sort of, ooh, overnight success. Well, they might say that, but that that's not explaining what was happening in the background. It it does take a lot of work. To be honest, I thought getting published was harder than actually writing the book. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I kind of, I guess the, the kind of skill set you need to actually sell what you've written to people and get it published is, is so different from from the skills you need to write the thing in the first place. So mm, you've, yeah. you've almost got to be... It's like you're taking your author hat off and you're, you're putting your, your saleswoman hat on to try and just get it out there. Exactly, yeah. It was just completely crazy. It was like, yes, now I've got to be somehow the, like, the marketing manager for my book, um, <laughs> which was something I wasn't really that trained in. But well, I did have a media degree, so I suppose I had some uh, some training. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit rusty after um, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. my skills. 10 years, it's crazy. I mean, just just for background, so we, we actually met at uni, I think you were, were, you, were you in the year below me? Yeah, I think, I'm not sure if it was your, your year or not. Um, I can't remember when I met. Yeah. I think it was 2009, wasn't it, we met? I think, was it 2009? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. we kind of crossed paths on a couple of, of like indie, like, like student films that, that were being made kind of outside the course. Yeah, saying that was 10 years ago is, is just, it's a depressing thought. It is, isn't it? It does make you feel so old. Yeah. Joe, I was thinking the other day that there's people graduating this year that were born in 2000. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, I work at the hospital and there's doctors that are like five years younger than me. And I'm like, <laughs> how is that possible? It doesn't yeah. seem right. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, I get it with like doctors or even like, uh, like pilots. I don't want... I know it's really judgmental because if you've qualified, you've qualified right, but I don't want someone that looks like 10 years younger than me to come out and like, no, like flying a plane I or... I feel you know. capable at my age of doing it, so if <laughs> I don't feel capable... <laughs> yeah, like I kind of, I, I get it now, and I, it makes me feel so old, but I get what my parents must have been thinking when they, they look to our generation and they just thought, oh, kids, you know, we know yeah. better. Because I look at someone, they could be some genius child... But if they're that much younger than me, I just I just don't trust them. No, no, I don't. They just look too young. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, uh, so th the next question I wanted to throw at you uh, was: which film or TV character do you relate to the most, and why? I've got a couple of answers for you here because, well, I'm glad you included film because I've actually got a film character. No, sorry, in TV because I've got a TV character. But I've always struggled with the sort of what film character do you identify with because I don't think I identify with a certain character. But I would say I identify with Wes Anderson's films or his cinematic universe or whatever you'd like to call that because, uh, yeah, I watch them and I'm just like, oh, this this is the world I should have been born into. <laughs> <laughs> these are my people I don't know whether it's just more that I wish to be in such a beautiful world that just looks like a sort of technical doll's house but, it's an odd um, choice I've got to say <laughs> so yeah that but if thinking of a specific character I'm going with Phoebe from Friends um, <laughs> Right. I think it's because it was the first character I actually saw on TV that I could in any way identify with um, sort of growing up in the 90s it was things like Fools and Horses and Dad's Army and things that's all we really watched at home and just general random rubbish on British TV. And then I'm sure there was plenty of lovely things, but 
I didn't watch many of them. So all I really watched was these sort of like male-dominated sitcoms and even the women in, the women in them were all very sort of boring, typical people. And then mm. Phoebe came along and she was all arty and weird. I was just like, yay, there, there are people out there like this. This is so exciting. <laughs> I was very, yes, I've discovered friends in the year 2000 and I've had them on pretty much a constant loop since. And yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of Phoebe. Um, Do you know, like Friends gets so much hate now but i i get that friends is outdated in a lot of ways and probably mm. hasn't aged that well but i'm i discovered friends around the same time that you did so i think it, it was around like series four and i think i was like old enough to start watching like stuff like that on my own so i had a tv in my bedroom and i started watching friends and yeah there was something about it and i was hooked immediately and i i i still star myself today after Chandler. Um, because I have absolutely no fashion sense. But yeah, d- didn't you find like Friends is just one of those things that just, it kind of spoke to you, especially when you were that young. It was just, there was there was something cool and aspirational about it. Yeah, it did. It just seemed so exciting and new. And I think there wasn't a lot of American TV over here at that sort of time, or at least certainly not that I watched. And mm. it just it just seemed like this window into this other world and what you could be when you grow up. And, and also the fact that they weren't all together. Like you always saw grown-ups as really sort of together people that had their lives together and they absolutely yes. did not. And it was just so lovely to see that. I'm like, it's yeah. fine. You, you don't I... have to be the boring grown-up in a suit who knows what's going on. Yeah, um, exactly. Because these people don't know what's going on either. <laughs> and there was something just really relatable about that, right? Like, like mm. And I think British shows, especially around that time, Every, you're right like every every show was like it was a family it was set around a family so you had you had the husband you had the wife you had the kids and there was there was no character there that that really kind of spoke to to normal people who just you know like when you're that age as well you can't imagine like having like being married with kids in a house and you know all that responsibility you just want to watch like like friends like some normal people just trying to live yeah. life and just having a chat and yeah just doing what, what you do in life yeah yeah so yeah great choice i'm a big 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 friends fan so uh, i could talk about it all day I, I guess the next question is one that I'm, I'm hoping is is a bit more revealing if you could have a biopic of your life what genre would it be and who would play you right i think i've thought too far into this but bear with me right <laughs> My life is quite boring, right? And I mean that in a nice way. I'm quite happy with my life being boring. But the thing is, from one day to the next, not much different happens. It would just be a case of me getting up after my breakfast, going for a walk, doing some reading, doing some writing, watching a film. No one wants to watch that, right? So <laughs> I thought, art house, because you could just do anything. They're often not got much going on. It's just a lot of crazy lighting and flashing about and music and things so i'm thinking we could flash about between time zones so like me when i'm younger me in my teens me when i'm older me at this age but rather than you know normally if you've got flashbacks and things it says like 10 years ago or 10 years in the future right don't explain what's going on yeah i'm sorry i have thought through too far into this but (laughs) just sort of appears like a dream you know like in a dream where you suddenly appear someone you have no idea where you are or why you got there yeah like that and then just hop about between my life like that and just say it's art even though not much is happening i i love the logic by the way because like art house is great you could just have a you know art house if you know you're watching an art house film you could cut to a shot of an apple for like five minutes and you'd be like yeah it's just it's art house that's what it is but i think exactly 
It's a shame that you're underselling yourself by uh, uh, justifying art houses by the fact that you have a boring life. Because I'm sure it's not quite as dull as, as, as to justify an art house film. But let's go with it. So, yeah. so who would play you? Um, I don't think she looks like me, but um, if I can choose, I'm going to go with Natalie Portman because she's just amazing and just every time she's in anything, she does not an amazing job. So why, why not? I mean, if I can choose, I'll, yeah, I'll have her. I mean, fair enough. Although, although you said that it's a, it's a bit of a time sort of jumpy one. Are you thinking Natalie Portman with the, the old and young kind of CGI, you know, do-over, or do you need an older and younger actress to, to well, play your Well, I thought of a younger selves? one. I'm struggling with an older one. So um, for younger one, um, I think Millie Bobby Brown would work because, A, also a very impressive actress, and she would work with Natalie Portman. I think that would work as an older and younger person. I'm not sure who would do the older one, though. Oh, I can't put her in it. She's called The Bum, the Mubbing Stranger Things. Um, are you that thinking of Winona Ryder? Yes, that would work. They all look pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that's, that's we need. You... They're, they're all good actresses. They look pretty I'm, similar. I'm, I'm thinking ages. Winona Ryder is definitely the outlier in that situation. But I, <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown and Natalie Portman, absolutely. That needs to. We need to send that to a casting agent because how that's not happened already is 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 a surprise. It, yes. It, <laughs> it makes so much sense. But, so, just, what would happen in this film? Or is it art house because you literally, like, nothing would happen? Nothing. There's, there's no plot. <laughs> um, it's just random things happening. Just random nice days I've had. <laughs> so, it, it enlightened me, because the, the furthest north I've gone is York, as you know. Yeah. So, so, what is a normal day in Scarborough like? I mean, it's normally pretty chilly, which is why it's so difficult today because it's so warm. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to stay inside most of the time, so I wouldn't really, it wouldn't make much difference where I was to be. Although, I do go see the sea most days, so that's pretty exciting. So, you can have like a random lingering shot of me staring out the sea. Mm. A nice stormy day would be better. I like it when it's all windy and the sea's all like crashing up and things. That's really exciting. So, that'd look quite nice, wouldn't it? Just, just several minutes just staring at the sea, that'd work. The sea is great as well for, for metaphors. Like, an art house film would absolutely love a coastal town yeah you could have seagulls picking up rubbish symbolizes death you could have waves crashing on the shore probably symbolizes death again there's, there's a lot of symbols of death on a on a beach i imagine so, yeah but yeah it's not going to be like breezy is it really but yeah um <laughs> i think it would work yeah i mean sure actually it, yeah, speaking of which i'm thinking with art house with the well, it's not i don't think it's quite art house but um scarborough seafront have you seen scent Maud? Um, no, I haven't yet. Oh, well, get that on your watch list. It's amazing. <laughs> but I didn't realise until I watched it, no one told me, living in Scarborough, but all the outside shots are filmed in Scarborough and they're on the seafront. And they, oh, right. they just they do, just as you've said, they've used the, the sea for all the atmospheric things in the film. You can tell what sort of state of mind she's in by the sea. And, it, oh, yeah, it is, it is really stunning. So I suppose, yeah, they've done it. We'll just copy what they've done. Um <laughs> 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 yeah, they did a really good job. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was um, yeah showing the power of the sea. Interesting. Our extra character, <laughs> the North Sea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So I guess let's let's take it back a bit. What is? Oh, actually, before I get on to the next question, I'm curious to know, uh, what's your favourite Natalie Portman film? Black Swan. Good um, choice. Yeah. I went to see it at the cinema. Actually, it was it was a couple of years when I was. I don't know if it was when I'd left George and John or just after. 
while still there. Um, and I basically, if anything was up for an Oscar, it was on a picture house and I went to see it. <laughs> Which I think my family all thought was a big snob. But and maybe I am, but I don't care. I like things that are up for awards because they're normally good films. But yeah, I remember going to see Black Swan in the cinema and just, I just thought it was incredible. I hadn't really seen anything like it before. And just the amount of effort she went into that, that role as well. All the dance. I know it was she didn't do all the dancing, and I think there was a bit of criticism about that. And obviously she transformed herself. The poor thing had to sort of starve down for the role to make herself look like this ballerina and things. And I just, I always find anything where anyone has to sort of transform themselves for a role pretty impressive. But I just, it was, oh, I just loved it. I don't know why, why really, but I just, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah it was a really, it, it was a great film. And Mila Kunis doesn't get enough credit for Black Swan, I don't think. She doesn't, no, and I'm surprised she hasn't been in much since. I mean, she's obviously in bits of things, but she tends to have stuck with the sort of comedic role since then, gone mm. back to obviously what she was known for originally. and. Yeah, I, I don't understand why why she hasn't been in more stuff like this because, she, yeah, she did an amazing job. Yeah, I, I never think of Black Swan when I think of Natalie Portman. And I guess I'm a bit of a Star Wars fan, so I do immediately get the, the prequels in my head. But ah, yeah. Garden State is always a film that sticks out to me with Natalie Portman. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's a great I film. I have, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that film. Yeah, she's uh, she's really good in it. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, and also, again, just some lovely arty moments in that film. Just Yes. Uh, I love I love the wall pit when he fades into the wall pit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a shame that Zach Braff is, uh, I feel like he's quite pretentious and it's really hard to like him, but yeah, I do true. love Garden State. It is, yeah, it's, it's a really good film. Yeah, I, I like it. What What's your most nostalgic film? This is a bit random, so bear with me. The world is not enough. <laughs> right? Right. So, <laughs> Um, I've already touched on the fact that there wasn't a lot of TV going on in the 90s. Now, I'm not sure that was a fact. I think it was just that my parents weren't really into film and TV. So, growing up, all we watched at our house was things like Time Team and Only Fools and Horses and the occasional Disney film put onto placators. So, <laughs> I didn't really watch much in the way of films. But for some reason, my dad was obsessed with James Bond. I think he'd been to see it as a child. And it was the sort of, obviously, the Sean Connery uh, era when he was growing up. And we always watched the James Bond films. So I don't know that it was so much that I was a fan of James Bond, or I would have been. It was the fact that it was the only opportunity I had to watch a proper film, like a grown-up <laughs> film. And so I was just so excited by them. And The World Is Not Enough was the first Bond film I went to see at the cinema because it was the first time I was really old enough to go to see it. Um, I think I was only about 11 or 12. I'm not really sure I was quite old enough to go see it, really. But nevertheless, I went along. Um, and I remember I actually bought, this makes me sound so old, but I went to Woolworths and I bought <laughs> the tip of the uh, theme song by Garbage because, and just kept listening to it on repeat because I was just so excited by the whole situation. And since then, I have been to see every single Bond film at the cinema on the day it was released. I wanted to take a day off work to go and do this, much to surprise and confusion of my colleagues. But yeah, so um, probably a bit of a strange answer, but hopefully that does all make sense. I have to say, buying a VHS tape from Woolworths is probably the single oldest thing I've heard for a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not cool at all, is it? Um, <laughs> Did you at least sneak some pick and mix on your way out? I don't think I did. I might have bought pick and mix, but I wouldn't have dead sneak it. I'd have been, I'd, oh, I'd have felt terrible. I know my dad <laughs> used to eat baguettes in Tesco at the top, and I used to, oh, I, I oh, thought it was no. terrible. I always thought someone was going to come and take us out of the shop or something. Yeah, people do that all the time. I see just, like, I think people think as soon as they've picked it up, it's okay because they're going to pay for it so they can eat it. 
but no, I don't know. It's I, strange, I, isn't it? You wouldn't buy a pack of biscuits and then just suddenly start eating custard creams while you're doing the rest of your shopping. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, final question. What is your guilty pleasure? So in general, chick flicks, I think I felt bad about liking these for a long while. A, because I just sort of felt they were a bit girly and silly. I think, I mean, the very formulaic chick flick, and I would say that more than rom-coms. I think there is a bit of a distinction. I think something like a Nora Ephron film would be more of a rom-com, whereas I think it sort of sometimes gets a bit... The sort of DVD, if, if people still buy DVDs, that would be in a pink box. Someone's just thought, right, what do girls like? I can't deal with the reality of a Monday and I just want something silly to watch. And I've had to give in to that now and realise I do actually like them. So my film of choice is going to be The Wedding Singer, which I think is great. I think, yeah, Adam Sandler, Andrew Barrymore, an awesome couple. They're not really a conventional couple either for such a thing, I would say. He's not, no offence to Adam Sandler, great guy, but he's not, you know, almost sort of dashing... Um, <laughs> <laughs> rom-coms chick flick lead is he? he's just yeah. not what you picture and, I, and Drew Barrymore similarly she's she's a bit more sort of quirky and, and different than what you'd normally see I, I completely get that as a guilty pleasure choice if you'd have said that was your favourite film I would have been absolutely appalled but <laughs> Adam Sandler is he's definitely that guy like I think um, my, my wife's the same she's a big fan of Adam Sandler and I've, I've gotten more into his stuff especially like the, the Netflix stuff he is one of those guys where he'll churn out films that, even though you don't want to admit it, you can just have... Like, if it's on ITV on a Saturday night, you'd put it on, right? Yeah, exactly. You turn it on, you think, oh, I'll just watch five minutes, and then you watch the film, and you're like, oh, right, well, yeah. I obviously did like that then. <laughs> yeah, and I think... So, I am... Um, 51st Dates, when you say Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, that's the film that springs to mind for me. Also but, a great film. Yeah, I, I do like that. It, but if I was ever going to have an Adam Sandler film in my, my guilty pleasure list, it would be Grown Ups. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't, I don't think I've watched the whole thing. I've seen bits of it. Is it good? I, I, I didn't enjoy the bit I watched. Did you not? No, I really liked it. I, I would have thought if you like any Adam Sandler film, then you'd probably like Grown Ups. But um, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I'll, I'll certainly, I'll certainly put it on the list. Um, Give it I a go. Get through quite a lot of films, so it's always good to have something else on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a go. I think the most controversial answer was definitely Mad Max Fury Road, which, just to reiterate, was, I, knew, I knew that going in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of on board with you there, but I think that's bold to say it's your least favourite, like ever. Yeah, bold. it didn't go down well with the husband. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so. Amidst actually watching films, uh, have you got any plans to write a follow-up to Man vs. Machine? No, well, I've had quite a few people ask for it. I have got a very sort of faint seed of an idea in my head, mainly because so many people have asked. But I'd want an advance, I think, before I wrote something. I've got so many other ideas in my head that I'd rather write. So unless there was something pushing me to write it, I don't think I would. Saying that, I have written two more books but they're just they're not they're not sequels but i've wrote two standalone novels since and i'm currently five episodes deep in a tv series so i've not really had time <laughs> so can you tell us anything about the the i get the the finished manuscripts i've got one about um a tattoo artist who sees the future and I've got one where, um, well, a scientist has sort of dis have discovered something close to immortality and is about to celebrate his 150th birthday. The course of the book is him recording a Netflix documentary and explaining what's happened throughout his life. 
but then alongside that there's someone else's story which i can't really divulge what happens there because it will give you away but um, yeah there's two stories told side by side in that one um, interesting netflix would definitely pick up a story about a 150 year old man as well so i totally believe definitely, that definitely yeah <laughs> they would um, pass that by. where can people buy man versus machine so it's available to buy on Amazon. I think there are a couple of other random online retails, but Amazon's probably your best bet. Um, you can buy it as a paperback or an ebook for those of you living in the future, which I am not, but um, <laughs> give it a go if you want. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, if anyone did want to connect with you or send you a, a, an email or some nice things about your book, where can they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram. I'm on at Rosie Camish. So um, you can come and uh, chat with me over there. Um, I'll also be chatting about books on there as well so if anyone's interested do give me a follow and um yeah be nice to see you there excellent well it has been great catching up with you rosie and uh all the best with any future books um i'll, I'll continue telling everyone about man versus machine it's a really good read and everyone should definitely check it out um but thank you very much for for chatting to me in this virtual coffee shop today and yeah we we need to speak sooner than every 10 years so uh exactly. <laughs> do let me know when your next book is out <laughs> exactly cheers rosie See you, bye. That's it for this week of the Friday Film Club. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can rate and review us on all good podcast platforms. Also, uh, do reach out to us on social media at the Fry Film Club on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to be a guest in a future episode, do drop us a message on social media or email liam at hefcorp.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.